This podcast is brought to you by the website of doom.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of Aaron Fever Talks 2, in which I, Aaron Fever, talks to Chandra Free, a great comic book artist, writer, and general all around cool person. I hope your 2017 is going well. Um, Lord knows. There's some crazy things happening um, all around the world, but especially uh, in America. Hopefully the next hour of chat will be a bit of a break. I think if you're a comic book fan or someone who would like to get into comic books or someone who works in comic books, um, this is a great podcast for you. There's lots of uh, information uh, from Chandra and even a little bit from myself uh, about the process and also kind of, you know, selling your wares once it's done. Speaking of selling, I'm going to try and sell myself for a moment by letting you know about my Patreon, because this podcast is built by Patreon. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Fever is a place that you can go to and donate as little as $1 a month. That donation helps to pay for the hosting of uh, this show and other shows as well that I do, like the uh, Drive-In of Doom, um, which is a movie commentary that I do with my friend uh, JJ Hawkins that you can listen to. We do a new movie every month. It also allows for us to do silly videos um, like I do uh, a word a week, which just finished uh, season three. There's 75 episodes, 75 words that I do uh, silly explanations for. And then, you know, other odd videos like when I ever go to America and try uh, fast food over there for the first time, we film it and put videos up for it. So yeah, this everything that you do uh, it goes a long way and it's very appreciated. We don't have ads on this podcast. This is the only ad you're going to hear. I uh, appreciate you listening and I appreciate if you uh, have the inclination to go donate at, at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Fever. Uh, it's very, very much a wonderful I didn't want to. I basically didn't want to say appreciation again. I was gonna. I was trying to find another way to phrase that, but I guess there's not. <laughs> it's very much appreciated. <laughs> All right. Well, there's enough, enough blathering from me. Let's get on with the podcast as I talk to Chandra Free. I was. Uh, I was trying to think the other day, um, like when we first met each other, and I. I can't pinpoint the year. I can't either. Um, I can't even pinpoint the moment. Alma would probably know. Alma would know. I actually, I don't even know if Alma was there when we met each other. I feel like it was Katie. I might have been Katie. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I, all the Dragon Cons start like blending together at I'm, some point. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Considering even like just one Dragon Con can blend together the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah. The clusterfuck. Um. But yeah, because like I, th- I, that's the thing. We met each other through like mutual friends. Yeah. Um, well, I remember they they talked you up quite a bit before I met you. Oh really? Yeah, they did. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I was more like, oh, Aaron, we're gonna go ha- hang out with Aaron. Like, who's Aaron? <laughs> yeah, who's this? Who's this dick? <laughs> They were all excited to see you, so. Oh well, that's good to hear. At least, someone's excited to to see me in the world. (laughs) At this point, though, that's that was a good few years ago. Now, now these days, they're probably like, "Oh, Aaron's gonna show up again." (laughs) No, I think they all like. They definitely like seeing you quite a bit. Good. How many How many years have you have you been going to Dragon Con now? Um, since, um, let's see, the first time I went was either 2006? No, I think 2006 is it. Okay. Um, and, uh, I think I returned again as a regular person, um, that next year, and then the year after that I was finally a guest. Okay. So, So, I mean, close to 10 years, really. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Uh, was that was that one of your kind of first conventions? Uh, no. Uh, I've been. Uh, well, let's see. Yeah, I've been going to conventions for a long, long time. Um, as a regular con goer, I was probably like sixteen when I first went. 
Can you remember which one it was? Yeah, Megacon. Oh, whereabouts is that? That's in Orlando, Florida. Ah. Yeah, it's um. A lot of people complain it's more like an anime convention now. Okay. So yeah, like I don't know, but it was my first convention, or no, or was it? I think maybe I went to um two Star Trek conventions before that, and I was in <laughs> middle school, so. <laughs> <laughs> So you're old hat at this sort of thing by now. Yeah, I hate conventions. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I like Dragon Con, though, because I get to see everybody. And that's always nice. And I like being a guest. So guest status is very nice. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely it, it makes the expense of going to conventions feel uh, like it's worth it, because, you know, because I'd say, I mean, I know you get to, to earn a little bit of money when you're at conventions, but I'd say you're probably breaking even most years, right? Because there's still a lot of expenses I, around going to conventions. Um, For that one, I definitely make money. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, that one's a good money maker. Like, I, I get like shit like two K from it. Wow, holy crap. Yeah, like I really like Dragon Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> um New York Comic Con is similar. Uh it's also a moneymaker. Um it does about the same for me. So Okay. Yeah. I, I like those conventions very much. And so I guess like going to other conventions are more of a risk then, right? Yeah, um, because you never know, like, what the audience is going to be like, how much they want to invest in, like, artwork that they've never seen before, like, with unusual characters or, like, fan art from, like, me or whatever. Like, you just really don't know. There was this terrible uh, convention in Philly, um, Wizard World, and... um, nobody came over to me to like really look at my stuff or buy my book or anything like that. Um, Mm. I did do a couple of commissions that weekend, which was really nice. Um, but I (laughs) probably made like $200 or something like that. It was so pathetic and sad and disappointing. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing, because it's like there's it's so much time and effort going to conventions, especially when they're out of town, and mm-hmm. it's like you're you know you'll be exhausted for the next week, and so if it's not really kind of uh, beneficial, it can be a soul sucker. All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Like all the money that you spend is just like, uh, it sometimes it really doesn't make any sense to do some of those conventions. Yeah, I'm actually like yeah. th- this is my first year where I'm gonna try and start like tabling at conventions because oh, really? yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm the, the comic kind of stuff is slowly kind of taking off for me and oh and, right, right. And like I'll have about like five or six different kind of single issued size like you know twenty twenty four to thirty page comics uh, yeah done by this summer. And um, so I was like, okay, well, that's kind of like, you know, half a table and I can probably go and try and get my name out there. And um, I'm terrified. I'm uh, genuinely terrified <laughs> of doing it. It's, uh, it. It seems very intimidating. It's a little intimidating, but it's it's a lot of fun. But like sometimes it's, I don't know, discouraging. Uh, <laughs> what would be like your best tips for a newbie? Um, uh, presentation, um, make sure like your, uh, books are, uh, up words. So people like actually see them and they're not just flat on the table. Um, so get little standees, um, make sure that you're ready with a, um, a card swiper, um, whether it's square or whatever others are out there. I, I have PayPal. I like it. Okay. Because uh, it goes directly to my PayPal account. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Instead of like in limbo to a bank or something. I don't know if Square has changed their uh, policies. But um, what else? Um, they say standing and putting books in people's hands actually does uh, a lot of good. Uh, I don't do that myself because I'm too like 
I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm such an introvert. I don't yeah. know how to do that. Yeah, that feels kind um, of pushy. I would feel uncomfortable doing it too, I think. Yeah, but like sometimes it's really good um, to do because it will get them interested because they will look at the book after you put it in their hands. Right. Um, let's see, what else? Um, never, um, like they say, don't eat at your table, but that's like impossible if you're like always stuck there. Um what else do they say? Don't be on your phone, um, which is also a really hard thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like in my case, like I, I'm drawing, so I have like um, I, I need my phone for reference. Right. Uh, so it makes me look a little rude um, sometimes, especially when I'm drawing and I can't really like always participate in the com well, I do participate in conversation and then I start using my hands and then I stop drawing because <laughs> <laughs> I talk with my hands. So it's very frustrating. Um, let's see what else is there. Um, when it comes to tabling, um, always have your spiel ready for your book. Okay. Um, so you can tell them like, you know, you've got a rehearse speech, um, so it becomes easier to, uh, engage with people. Um, yeah, the elevator pitch. Yeah. The elevator pitch. Cause they're going to want to hear something kind of quick and to the point and you got to sell it to them really well. So I have a, I have a pitch that lasts about, um, a minute, I think. Oh, really? It, yeah. Or less than a minute. I don't know. It, it seems to work. Do you, uh, <laughs> you want to give? Do you want to give me the pitch now? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> now it feels so forced. Sorry. All right, no, I'll do uh, it. It's like, hey, it's like this comic looks really good. What's it about? What's what's this one? Uh, so this is the God Machine. It's a story about a young man named Guy Salvador who's having a really tough time. His girlfriend just recently died, and he's starting to see monsters and things, and he's not quite sure what's real and what's not. Until one night, a mysterious man comes to him and tells him that his girlfriend is still alive and floating in and out of what is known as the dream world, and he is the only one who can go and save her. <sighs> and <laughs> then I like add on, like, uh, there, there's monsters, there's gods, there's teen angst, and there's humor. <laughs> So I, I try to give them a, like a little bit more like it's not completely dark. It's got it's got some other stuff going yeah. on. Do you ever yeah. find that you might like tailor it a little bit to like the person in front of you because you think like oh they might be into this. They're wearing a werewolf T-shirt. Maybe they'll like this. <laughs> Actually, no, because I'm so automated. I go right ahead into that same spiel. Um, though the last part of it, I will be like, and there's a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the teen angst one always gets a uh gets a laugh out yeah. of people yeah <laughs> i like that though you're working on the second one still right yeah i am all right we'll go we'll go back to like uh to tabling at conventions tips um yeah. so uh yeah we have the spiel we have to have the spiel ready for people um obviously i'm assuming change is helpful if people do have cash Oh, yeah, no, uh, definitely a nice box uh, full of uh, change to make. Um, uh, oh, also, like, if you have those single-issue comics, you might want to invest in bags and boards um, to give to people. That's good, yeah. So, like, th if they're worried, like, oh, it's going to get bent up, and it's like, no, look, I have this bag and board, and you just, it's, you just give it to them, you know? You, you put the comic into the bag and board and give it. Um, that always makes for more like you, you care about your, uh, customers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little bit of an investment, but it makes the world of a difference. Um, also make sure that you have, uh, markers, Sharpies, uh, silver and black, um, for signing things. Yeah. Uh, silver is definitely good for like, if you have a all black cover or dark colors or whatever, and of course, you know the black is good for lighter. I always uh, have really, I always have really bad luck with the silver sharpies because for some reason I can never get a nice clean like uh, line out of it. It's always like a, oh yeah, scratchy. They 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 die 
really quickly. <laughs> I have like a million of these damn things that are like dead. It's so disappointing. But they work in the beginning. They they really do. <laughs> you just get like an hour or two out of them and then they're done. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, back to presentation. Uh, make sure that you have like a, a tablecloth or something that looks really nice because usually the um, the default is quite ugly. Okay. Um, and so it's presentation, presentation. Um, oh, and you want to have uh, cards, business cards. Um, you don't have to have your phone number on there. I don't um, because I give my business card to everybody. Um, it's a good way to advertise your website, where else you're online, like uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Like these are all good things because it's just serving as like a little marketing tool. Yeah, I find like nobody even uses their phone for actual phone things anyway. It's like <laughs> yeah. I get I get people on the phone and they WhatsApp me instead of texting me. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, like business cards are a must, I think. Um, You can also do postcards uh, that are just like tailored to your series um, with a a description, probably your elevator pitch on the back uh, of the card. And of course, like on the front, you have like uh, iconic image, like, um, you know, the first cover or something um, that's really striking to people to pick up and keep. Yeah. Um it's all about having something that people won't throw away. Yeah, so. I, f- I find like um one thing I I picked up cuz I went to Thoughtbubbly a convention in the UK uh mm-hmm. last year and I noticed like everybody had bookmarks. Um and it was like okay, that makes sense cuz I do like have a couple different bookmarks that I hold on to cuz they're just handy to have for different books. Right. So So that's a that's a great idea too, bookmarks. Yeah. Um uh in your case it's a little bit harder because you're a writer yeah i can't draw this bookmark up myself (laughs) yeah so you've got to work with your uh artist or take a pre-existing image and put it into the uh bookmark but also like it kind of eliminates you from selling prints yeah which is a good way to uh generate money unless you have some kind of deal with your uh your artists that they get a cut of it and you get a cut okay that's, um, that's good yeah i mean like it's gonna vary though especially like how your artist feels about it but if you are half the owner of the material are the you know you are the sole owner like this is your creation you have a little bit more say in the art assets and selling it so things to think about yeah yeah it's a Um, uh, it's a complicated world it is um i'm trying to think what else is uh good for conventions um i i like to do something like when it's uh a close to halloween convention i uh, make little bags with uh candy my business card and stickers oh that's cool yeah and sell it for like a dollar um dollar bag or something like that and you know it gives like people are like oh my god i'm hungry i'm gonna buy this (laughs) (laughs) um you were the person who gave them candy they'll be forever like you (laughs) yeah exactly so i mean like that's um you know little creative ideas like little tiny things that match um a theme or like um holidays or whatever like just kind of like figure out these things because people love them. Um, stickers are great. Um, uh, I've been very fortunate. I've had someone make my stickers for me for a very long period of time and I'm forever grateful for her, uh, contributions. And she's like, this is what I do for the arts. There you go. I'm like, can I pay you? And she's like, nope. I'm oh, like, wow. all right. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to that woman. <laughs> yeah, I love her to death. She's she's amazing. Um, so stickers are uh, people love stickers and people love buttons and pins and things like that. So if you can like find something from your book to like make into a button or talk to your uh, your partner in crime 
like to really figure out like merchandising and again it's like how much you want to cut them in on it or if it's depending on your rights uh you figure out like yeah what you're gonna do with that um i mean you could always do it like you sell buttons they sell buttons and you know you guys make whatever you make um and don't share it you know well, you because I know you because I know because you do everything on the God Machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was the last time that you had to kind of work in a collaboration thing like that with like a few other people? Um, let's see. Um, I did a Fraggle Rock uh, comic. Um, I didn't really get to collaborate with the uh, the uh, writer, which was really unusual. Um, I worked with my editor. And he was really cool. Um, but I noticed something in the script um, that was uh, erroneous. Like, uh, I, I know fucking, like, sorry, if saying fuck. Oh, um, yeah. You, you can curse all the fuck you want on this. <laughs> okay. Fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, like, um, I, I know uh, Fraggle Rock canon because I grew up with it. And, uh, there was a scene where they uh, were slamming doors in each other's faces, and it's like the, there are no doors in Fraggle Rock. Uh, okay. And so I brought that up to my editor, and he's like, "Oh, you're a writer; you can figure it out." I'm like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that's not what I'm doing on this, though. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I did figure out a solution to it. Um, that was my collaborative process to it. Uh, by the way, I just kicked the fraggles out pretty much, like tossing them literally out of the room, uh, which worked out pretty well. Um, same same basis for the joke. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, what other collaborative things have I done? Um uh, Mice Templar did coloring for, I also did coloring for a book called Sullen Gray, um, which I painstakingly like colored those pages, but, um, but I didn't get much at the back end of that. Um, yeah. well, I have a few friends who are kind of colorists and that's unfortunately very common within the comics is that they kind of get yeah. screwed over a little bit within the deals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been a part of anthologies, uh, and that didn't really involve much of a collaborative process. Um, it was just more like, here's the thing, go and do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, I haven't really had, uh, a true like writer artist uh, situation. I am uh, looking into that right now, actually, with two different people. I can't really talk about yeah. it because uh, one of them I haven't made a decision on. Uh, but hint, it's got Lovecraft uh, stuff going on. Uh, Very much your uh, up your alley. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's just a matter of like saying yes to this project and uh probably have a kickstarter um so i'm i'm excited about it and then i'm not excited about it <laughs> for, uh, for personal reasons have you ever have you ever done it where you've written something for for an artist to draw for you i don't think you've done uh, it that way around have you i have actually um uh, the book is stalled a little bit uh but uh, i was writing a book called skin and uh, my artist is uh, Morgan O'Shea. Um, she is amazing. Um, actually, my uh, my publisher originally came to me like, "Can you write um, for this this one girl? Um, here's her artwork. Can you can you basically pitch us a story?" I'm like, uh, 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 mm, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> Like that's not what I'm known for, and I'm very flattered. But okay, why not? Um, and what was interesting is that girl didn't work out. She could not tell a, a story um, through her artwork whatsoever. Her sequentials were just dead. They yeah. were so dead. And she, she's a, she's a pinup artist more so than a, than a sequential yeah. artist. Yeah, she she was definitely a very highly skilled. Uh, 
illustrator, but she also wanted to change my story. Um, cause mine was about, uh, a serial killer coming of age, uh, cannibalistic story, uh, that dealt with kind of, uh, gritty reality and dealing with, uh, personal identity. And she wanted to add, um, uh, uh, beast, magical half beast humans. And like, why don't they go to a magical school and stuff like that? I'm like, uh, uh, did you read my, like, <laughs> did you, I mean, seriously now. <laughs> and she was already like doing like her own, like illustrations for it that dealt with the, the magical and surreal. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're not doing this. Um, then the second artist that my publisher found, which I thought she was also a fantastic illustrator, also could not really tell very interesting uh, stories through art. And I was going to have to hold her hand and like actually draw up thumbnails for her so she could actually get the feel of the story. She was just such a wrong fit. And then all of a sudden, she's like, I have family problems, can't do it. And like, all right, that saves us the trouble of like getting rid of you. So that's <laughs> fine. Um, and then like, I found Morgan myself. Um, she's uh, really good at body horror and uh, horror uh, and this just beautiful like figures and stuff like that. She's not too far away from my style, which is kind of exactly what I, I want it for this book. Um, it's a, her style is a little bit more organic than I want it for the story, but I think it fits really well. And, um, her sample pages were just fantastic. And I remember like telling her like, don't do a traditional comic, do something that's more, um, flowing and different and unique and she like took it to like the next level and um i i actually tried to actively pitch this book recently to another publisher because i never signed a contract i am looking for another publisher seeing who is willing to bite on this one and i think we have a pretty solid product um we just need to actually put some more work into it and actually have a product to sell yeah um, but we have our pitch, um, you know, you never also like sometimes these publishers want to change up your story and change what you're doing. So just having like eight pages of completed work um, is probably the best way to go in some ways, uh, depending on the publisher. Some publishers like to see an entirely like completed project so they can just publish you Um and not worry about like deadlines and all that. Mm. Um, but some publishers, uh, like one of them that I was talking to wants to change certain things. Like, uh, I've heard through other people, um, that they were not cool on a particular idea and they wanted to, uh, change the, um, the, the whole entire like basis for the series. Uh, and my friends like, Nope, Sorry, no hard feelings. <laughs> Go down that route because it just negates what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, oh, publishing's weird. <laughs> it is, and it's it's kind of especially like uh, when you're you're trying to pitch stuff to publishers and stuff like that. It's it's like you said, a lot of the time you don't necessarily even get feedback or uh, the information that lets you know where you stand with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, my original publisher, Arkea, uh, never gave me any, um, feedback on, uh, The God Machine. Um, in fact, I really didn't have an editor on that book until, like, the last second. They're like, you need some more commas in here. And like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for coming in at the last second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I suppose of all the things to change, it's not the worst. <laughs> no, it's not. But like uh, the way I was working with it, like uh, I flattened all the uh, layers, and it's like somebody else went in and like actually hand put a comma into those like pages. Wow. Like it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> well, I won't make the book like that ever again. <laughs> no. Um. 
I'd probably uh, uh, use uh, InDesign. Um, I, I didn't know what I was doing when it came to lettering originally, but InDesign, you pretty much like the lettering is a, its own thing, and then uh, the art is its own thing, and all this other stuff. And it's, I mean, I don't know how to use InDesign yet. Right. <laughs> Um, but it is a uh, essential tool to uh, streamlining the the process for uh, for printing purposes. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 lettering is something I learned a lot about in the last year because uh, yeah. before, like, I was kind of like, you just put the word bubble in, it's fine. <laughs> there's a real there's a real no, art to it. <laughs> there, there there really is. Um, I, I do mine quite organically um which is unfortunate um because i draw in the word bubbles uh into the actual artwork instead of like actually laying down a separate thing um which i'm probably going to change up for some of my projects um so i i can actually move word bubbles uh, appropriately um though i always like the fact that uh having a more organic system uh lends well to like the artwork itself um yeah because you kind of merge the colors around the bubbles as well don't you yeah yeah, i do um so it's like i try to make it as much of the uh the art um and part of the story instead of that like here's this white thing kind of floating out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) so So I, I have a different approach to it, but I'm probably going to change that up uh, as I go forward, um, probably pending on different uh, projects. But the God Machine uh, for the second book uh, will have the same, so it follows the uh, the uh, what I already set up as a standard. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how many uh, pages do you think it's going to be? Uh, it's a hundred and... 60 140 or something like that um yeah um it's all written it's it's fantastic (laughs) (laughs) it's the best work i've ever done (laughs) (laughs) well i'm actually i'm I'm very uh proud of how far i've come writing wise um uh just because i'm doing more world building in the second book and um really um trying to flesh out uh the characters and like give them more uh a backstory uh particularly for guy my lead character um i give him uh much more than just being a sad uh teenager uh we go into uh the fact that he was a little kid and he also saw monsters when he was a little boy and uh what happened with that um that now informs him as a as a, as a seventeen year old <laughs> trying to make sense of his world. Um, so I mean, I, I'm very like I, I've grown so much as a writer um, or a storyteller, as I like to call myself, because um, I'm not very good with technical uh, writing whatsoever. I'm pretty good with uh, doing like dialogue and other things uh like that and just uh putting the pieces together and I'm, I'm 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 terrible at like outlines and stuff like that i'm 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 a storyteller i'm not, <laughs> I'm not a writer <laughs> well i i know i know a couple of people who who uh within comics uh do writing and art and i find that their approach to the writing is always different to someone who only writes them, uh, themselves and so right. they they always have that yeah they a lot of the time they work it out in thumbnails even before they'll write the 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 scripts you know what i mean yeah. it's it's, uh, yeah. it's it's a different part of the brain i think yeah totally and i mean like i went at book 2 uh, different than i did for book 1 which was like i would do like kind of thumbnaily things as i was writing um, it wasn't even in composition. It was just like thumbnail, 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 and little drawing and writing and just kind of going from there. Um, for book two, I actually just went mostly from a script uh, point of view um, without drawing. I think I probably drew in the beginning of it, but then I'm like, I just gave up on doing that and just like 
started devoting to just writing without the actual art, um, which is very different for me. Um, but I, I found uh, some joy in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> some joy. Some joy, not, not that much joy. <laughs> um, it does get fun. It like connecting the pieces. Like you set up a joke in issue one, and then like issue three, you like follow up on it, and it's like a callback and shit like that is really fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I particularly because like at the moment I'm I'm doing a, a web comic uh, called Shipwrecked, which is like you know very much like is joke based. Um, yeah, and uh, I find I I I write it in such a weird way in comparison to anything else I write because I kind of I think of a fun scene and I'll write it down, but it's all out of sequence, and then I get to when I have. 24 pages planned i get to then start slotting them into where what's the most effective uh <laughs> line work and so yeah it's 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 like a jigsaw puzzle sometimes yes yeah, so, i mean sometimes that that does happen like you come up with like a great scene but you're like i don't know how this fits in just yet but yeah. you, you always figure it out like somehow organically like yeah this this somehow matches with this and this you know it's like it really is like a jigsaw puzzle. You're you're definitely like building something and your your brain is already in tune with, you know, the themes and uh situations that you're trying to build anyway. So you're like not that it's a, a mystical or uh anything quite like that, but you're you're definitely in tune with uh, what you're doing and that's how it usually comes together and unless you just fucking don't know what you're doing whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> until you find the corner piece at least and then you're good <laughs> i thought yeah it is, it is, and like the worst thing as well is that like you know with something like that where you're you're reliant on trying to find moments when you think of a cool moment and you're walking around and you're like shit i have to like write this down somehow <laughs> before i forget it when i get home <laughs> Ooh, or like the opposite or not the opposite but you like um you come up with this great scene. It's so awesome. You've like perfected it and you're like so in love with it. And then you realize it's frivolous. It doesn't belong in your book whatsoever. And you have to do the hard part of saying goodbye to your, like your beautiful baby that you created. Like this, the best dialogue you've ever written. (laughs) Like everything's so amazing. And you made that one point that you always wanted to make. And then it's like, well, this slows down the pacing or why is this here does this make sense to the actual story what am i doing with my life <laughs> <laughs> why did i ever choose to write anything <laughs> i always keep that stuff though if i ever have to throw a thing out i always like i have a folder filled with like half finished ideas or unused ideas that like i sometimes go actually you know what this would work for this other project and it's so yeah. nice when you can like you don't you don't have to let it die entirely <laughs> yeah no that, that's actually a really great idea um i don't do that because i'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've written oh. down your con tips so you can take that one yourself <laughs> <laughs> um no i usually remember a lot of my ideas um so um it's it's not all loss i i figure out how to like put it in later um i did like recently for volume three of the god machine because yeah i'm i'm thinking that far in advance <laughs> trying to write it so it's 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 there after i'm done with book two um i i came up with this great brilliant like reveal for one of the characters coming out as being by spoilers um, <laughs> but which character tune in to find out <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> um and it feels like it's like oh this makes so much sense and then it's like oh shit i've made this seem so forced and somehow i need to make it like really like blend with everything i need a setup to like really um reveal that the character is by i mean like you kind of get some like inkling of it in the last like two books but it's never like 
really like, wow, this is what's actually going on. Right. Um, it, so I have to set up a scene before that that actually like will lend itself to the character coming out. Yeah, well, it would add like a, 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 a an authenticity to it because, like, yeah, you know, yeah, because that, that's always a hard thing too. Because if you want to have a reveal for something, you want the reader to be surprised about it, but at the same time, you want them to be able to understand it and not reject it as an idea. Yeah. So yeah. Because you don't want to just be like, and so and so is gay, and they're like. <laughs> well where did that come from <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes no sense <laughs> makes no sense what <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want to upset your readers that way you want to actually inform them and then like give them the present at the end like and now you can open it <laughs> so and so is bye <laughs> congratulations everybody <laughs> good job good job everyone good work i'll see you back here next week <laughs> but uh yeah and, and it's kind of the thing as well is that when you write when you're writing stuff and and comics in general they you know they take so long to make um yes. you know it is such a long process that like something you can be so excited about and this like thing that you're working on is like oh i want to show everybody this but i can't until it's done and it's going to be ages until it's done and yeah it's really frustrating it's super frustrating because it's like you really want to share the the fruits of your labor and it's like nope (laughs) have to wait (laughs) it's also like christmas or in some people's worlds, Chanmas. Yes, Chanmas. <laughs> uh, for who, for any listener who doesn't know, um, Chandra's uh, birthday is uh, Christmas. Yep. So uh, we celebrate Chanmas every year. That's right. <laughs> it's a fun holiday. I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's do whatever you want to do day and uh, screw the normal uh traditions and go right for the booze and <laughs> yeah. well you've had that tradition for as long as you've been alive so it's not nothing new <laughs> well i mean like i finally perfected it in my uh my late 20s okay so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... i stopped having to go and see like my family on my birthday and have more of a free day no so. pun, well, pun intended or no pun intended <laughs> oh pun accidental um i was gonna i was gonna ask you though like on the the uh the terms of like having to wait to show people stuff do you think that you get to scratch a little bit of that itch though when you do kind of pinups and commissions and stuff so you get to show that's more of an instant gratification that you get to show people quickly and you can kind of delay the the frustration of not being able to show them your other work Oh yeah. Um, also, like uh, I do, uh, like previews. Like I'll take a picture of a panel and post that, and you know it'll be out of context. So I mean, there's you can still tease. And uh, I used to do this thing where I would post a very raw version of the comic pages, so I could share the story with everybody and also get input. It was very interesting how I did it. Um, it was kind of like a web comic and okay. yeah, I, I got immediate f- like reader feedback. So like if I said something that seemed a little offensive, they would call me out on my shit and I'd be like, Oh, okay. That makes total sense. Or I would fight them to the end. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this is staying. This is part of it. Um, so that that was another that was a unique way of doing it. I don't know how um how most publishers feel about that, but I mean yeah. you can also figure out like maybe Kickstarter ways like you give like previews to only a certain select bunch and you know or on Patreon you do that too and um I mean, there there are ways around it that you can, like, satisfy, like, you know, hey, you want to see my, like, stuff? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Just don't pull up in a white van when you're asking that question. 
<laughs> hey, do you want to see some comics? <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned the Kickstarter a couple of times. Is that something that you've, you've used before? Um, I've only been part of a Kickstarter uh, thing once, um, and it was a failed uh, attempt. Uh, it wasn't exactly my Kickstarter. It was uh, Andrew uh, E.C. Gaska's uh, Kickstarter. Uh, he wanted to uh, uh, do a shark novel with uh, paintings in it from uh, people like Dave Dorman, uh, uh Shoot, I'm trying to remember all the people, and I was in charge of getting those people on board okay. for, for the book. Uh, it, there was a whole, 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 whole there was a, there was a lot of people that were going to be a part. Of <laughs> Fucking Forky Pig over here. I was just gonna say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we needed money to pay these artists, and we actually put a budget that was accurate to paying them and making sure that we'd be able to pay the taxes on uh, Kickstarter as well and all the other little things. And it was too much money um, for us to actually get to the goal. Yeah. So in that case, like you have to aim a little bit lower and like say you get a painting from Dave Dorman as the cover or something like that, you know, and right. you, and then once you meet your stretch goals, then you start adding in the other artists, you know, like that, that's the, the safer and easier way of doing a Kickstarter is just like, uh, figuring out what your audience will actually buy into and what they're interested in. Um, uh, of course I, I had no pull on my side cause my fan base is, you know, they're all about God machine and my other like little ventures um and so my audience wasn't there for this book because it was a 70s based shark novel right. <laughs> very jazzy and yeah very pulpy and uh my audience wasn't there so sometimes it helps if you know the the people involved have like uh a pull with their with you know they're they're people and just bringing everyone into it um and also like if the artists are actually participating and trying to get their fan base in as well um yeah that was that was something because i i tried a a failed kickstarter project uh at one point as well for a documentary and and we were kind of hoping because we had you know some bigger named people lined up to be interviewed within the documentary that we uh, could pull on their fan base. But the problem was, is that like, you know, uh, we couldn't somehow get our voices heard by that fan base. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's the most frustrating thing. Um, I guess like, there's not much you can do in that case. Um, um, Yeah. That yeah, it's, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like sometimes, uh, like I, I've, I've si- have since then become very fascinated about Kickstarters because I've, I've, I've realized there is a certain kind of magic to the right ingredients. This is like you said, like how much the project was, which was ours was on the expensive side, um, yeah. as to like what you can offer and what the content is, and and uh, and then then how you can advertise it and it's uh, it's yeah it's kind of it's a it's an amazing thing of of what uh, finds a home there and what doesn't yeah yeah um i'm hoping with this project that i might agree to um <laughs> uh that our kickstarter will make the most sense um and we'll start it off pretty low and uh Hopefully, I would actually get paid to do the work uh, for this book, (laughs) which would be really nice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think we've got the right uh, amount of uh, interest. Uh, People on my side would love to see me do like a dark horror, uh, you know, Lovecraft story. And on the writer's side, he's got a, a big fan base that loves pulpy kind of dark things and 
yeah, I think it's a good combination of uh, talent that will actually generate interest. And if we start the goal pretty uh, reasonable, uh, we should be able to actually make it a successful one. Um, it all depends on like what kind of rewards we're going to have with it, um, which kind of freaks me out because that means like I'm the artist, so I'm going to have to actually do like <laughs> art for people. <laughs> it's like I could be working on the comic though. <laughs> I know. Like I kind of because I've seen you do uh, commissions at conventions, and I've I you know I've I've seen you get no sleep from doing commissions at conventions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that could that could be definitely a problem. I know you do them um, on on paper and stuff. Do you when you make your comics? Are you all digital or do you still uh, start off on paper? Uh, I'm. St- Trying to transition to all digital, um, it's really been a hard process to do. Um, but how I typically work is uh, pencil pages, and then I scan them in, and then I do everything else in Photoshop. Okay. Uh, yeah, all the coloring is done that way. Um, but there's a more organic feel to like pencil pages, um, especially since I take the whole entire page as kind of my canvas and like how I'm going to lay out everything all at once. Um, kind of like a painting. And yeah, you don't really have many traditional like panel lines and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So it, I, it's a little bit more of an organic process, but like with the digital, um, the screen is kind of a limiting thing because it's instead of a vertical paper, it's horizontal. And that kind of creates a, like, you can't really look at your whole entire piece um, effectively uh, on the screen. That's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's, for me, it's a a hindrance. Some people are like, yay, this works. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they can concentrate better on, like, one part of the time or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Of course, like, I'm like, oh, what the hell is at the bottom of this page? Does this make sense? (laughs) Yeah, because I guess, like, do you, you don't have an inking stage then if you, because you kind of paint your whole thing. Yeah, I, I... At some point, I learned that, like, inking is just not for me. Um, it, it's such a time, uh, t- a timely thing that just I don't need that process. I, if I have a weak line as I'm coloring, I will strengthen it as I'm doing everything else. Um, and sometimes I'll redraw things that way. But uh, inking is just unnecessary for what I'm doing. Especially, like, inking was there because um, it was about clarity in the printing process and, like, how, you know, they laid down, like, the lines and then the the color processes, CYMK. Like, it it was all just, it was for printing purposes only. Like, now we have digital printing and, you know, we can do whatever the hell we want to do. Um, you know, uh, whether it be like paintings or like light images and stuff like that, we have much more range than we used to in comics. So, I mean, like I, I, inking is an art. It really is. Um, some people are like really fucking amazing in it. Um, Sean Murphy is probably one of my favorite, like, um, artist who does his own inking and his lines are so expressive and they're so like crisp and then dirty and then like so good i i love that guy so much like he's my hero and (laughs) i i I wish i could have that kind of talent but i i me and inking i mean i understand the whole process of line weight and all this other stuff but i've I've got such a heavy hand sometimes that Mm. i just i can't do that kind of nuanced line or like some of the old techniques of like implied line and other things like that. But it's like, I understand all this stuff, which is frustrating. And I just know it takes me a lot longer uh, for inking. So, yeah. Cause you, did you, did you study art in college? I did. Yeah, I I did. I, I actually did fine art. Wow. 
it, it makes yeah. sense but like yeah it's kind of uh a lot of comic book people like there's a there's a there's a lot there's, there's i think it's a 50 50 split about who does actually go to art college and who doesn't i think yeah um i mean like i think a lot of them do uh technical colleges um and uh probably an illustration degree if they do i mean it's not required if you can fucking draw you can fucking draw (laughs) (laughs) well that's just it (laughs) nobody looks to see if you can like have a degree or whatever they look at what like you're actually presenting to them um you know as a, a pitch like like can you tell a story like that's a major thing like if you can't tell a story you're rubbish like mm. fuck you um it's like that that's what matters at the end of the day and um yeah i have a fine art degree <laughs> <laughs> well, sort, sort of uh but like my school was awful they didn't have an illustration like uh degree and all i could do was fine art yeah and, and i'm not complaining i i know how to paint really well um i know the figure i you know i i i am a fine artist at heart um, yeah i would I say in, in a way it's probably inf- influenced your work would you th- do you think oh yeah oh of course definitely like um sometimes like expressive lines and uh some really out there like uh approaches to coloring uh with more abstraction um there's this one uh comic i did for uh graphic canon volume three um i adapted t.s Eliot's the wasteland into a uh, i think it was like seven pages or something like that so i had to find passages that actually kind of related to each other and th- this was not easy by the way t.s <laughs> Eliot, and i i chose t.s Eliot for some stupid reason because i absolutely hate myself <laughs> you had notions <laughs> <laughs> but it's like um i i took a very artsy approach uh to the pages where they're not really like of course they're not traditional boxes i i did like lots of splatter and like kind of um what is it david mack kind of style oh yeah i love david mack stuff yeah so i mean i I took kind of uh that approach um and some weird figures and like it for the content it was so like surreal and um made no fucking sense most of the time um i did do extensive research on like what the hell he was talking about um so i mean i did my homework and i think i did a pretty good job at coming up with some of his like figuring out his bullshit and making it into something that was actually like uh comprehensible <laughs> like <laughs> like it, it it was a hard one but it definitely took a more uh artsy approach to everything um very different um i i, I love it and of course like probably nobody saw it <laughs> and that's the thing is like because some of that stuff doesn't really get ever made digital leader so you can't point people towards it if they never got a copy of it yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, that. it's a huge anthology. Like, it's a big, big book. So, like, you're in with a bunch of other, like, artists. And usually, like, this kind of book is picked up by, like, libraries and stuff like that. And it's not traditionally found in comic shops. Though, in New York, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, New York has has a lot of really good comic book shops, so you know you're spoiled yeah. for choice a little bit. Oh yeah, um, yeah, we've got uh, Forbidden Planet, St. Mark's Comics. Uh, who else can I plug? Uh, Jim <laughs> Hanley, uh, Jim Hanley's Universe, uh, Midtown Comics. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're they're all really good. Um, I'm probably missing a bunch of other ones that are pretty fabulous you'll get a tweet are... about it <laughs> why didn't you mention us um all right well, we're at our hour all right can you believe it we made it 
Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, I always say that we're at our hour like I'm at the end of a therapy session. I don't know why. It's a weird thing. But um, what I what I want to know, Chandra, before we leave is uh, what song do you want to get played out on? Oh, man, what? <laughs> yeah, I always like to surprise everybody with that question. So the oh, first shit. one that comes to uh, mind. Oh, uh, enjoy the silence by Depeche Mode. <laughs> I knew you'd pick Depeche Mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, that song, in my opinion, is like literally perfect. Even you can hear it like a million fucking times and it's still like the most perfect song. So that's why it was like stuck in my head when you asked me, what song? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, good, because that's the perfect song to end on then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has been fun. Yes, thank you for chatting to me. Words like violence break the silence Come crashing in into my little world Painful to me, it's right through me 